again, and welcome to the Red Dwarf intro cast, where we talk about uh, Starbuck. Uh, because we <laughs> can't talk about Red Dwarf anymore. So, episode by episode, uh, longtime fans and newbies alike journey together into the darkest, farthest reaches of space. Uh, my name is Heath. I'm Angela. I'm Shane. And I'm Sam. Hi, Sam. Hello, Sam. Hello, Sam. Hello. Sadly, Paul is a bit under the weather. Space mumps again, uh, but hopefully he will be back next week. He's just hanging out with Um, Holly. (laughs) Yes. Indeed. Poor Holly. A polymorph got to him and turned him into a hippie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why, but (laughs) it happens. (laughs) It does. So, uh, this week we are talking about uh, Season 6. Episode 4, Polymorph 2, Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) (laughs) Shane's going to tell us what that's all about in just a second. But before he does, Sam, do you want to introduce yourself again to the the listeners? Yeah, I'm Sam Highland. Um, I was on the Inquisitor episode. Um, I'm struggling to think of all the things to say now. I post on Facebook on TFW2005 as Rotorstorm, the Transformer boards. Um, And the same username on uh, fullmetalhero.com. Cool. Awesome. Great. Well, glad that you could join us again. That's a pleasure. And uh, let's see. So, uh, Shane, do you want to lay this whole uh, polymorph to the Wrath of Khan on us? <laughs> of course I will. The space fit... The best... The sp- the space fields charged the crew of the Starbug with loosing space core derelicts. They try to escape the... Ve- and the vessel fires on them, damaging the oxygeneration unit beyond repair. The only way to get a new one is to trade with Gelfs, with one slight hitch. The Gelf chief wants this to Tamaria's daughter in return. So a plan is hatched to go through the wedding and rescue this door while the Gelfs are asleep. But this to guess wedding night jitters and legs it with the rest of them. Angering the Gelf chief, you send an emil hawk after them, an emil hawk with a domestic the domesticated polymorph and is hungry for Rimmer and Cassidy's emotions. Cool. So, this episode, it, it uh, I think, accounts for a lot of the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say that uh, most of the clips are from this episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's see. I guess that we start uh, with the all-important... Uh, red alert drill, apparently. Uh, Rimmer has changed the bulb. <laughs> Indeed. See, he can do it himself now. Yeah, yeah, he has hard light generators, so yeah, he can, he can do it his own self. Not have to bug everyone else. <laughs> so they make their way out of bed, and Cat is wearing an awesome, awesome outfit. I know, right? I think they made him look cooler just so that the transformation to Dwayne Dibley would be uh, more dramatic. Because he's been putting on these understated leather jumpsuit things that I haven't been a fan of. I miss the suits. Um, what happens then? Uh, well, actually, yeah. one quick note, actually, before we get further into this, this episode. Yeah, hit it. Uh, the episode, of course, is entitled Emo Hawk Polymorph 2. What? Right. Dwarf Harder. However, it was actually meant to be referred to as Polymorph 2 Emo Hawk. 
Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Figured. Yeah. What's up yeah. With, the, with the transposition there? Uh, the swap happened when the writers realized it sounded too much like a football score. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How does it sound like a football score? Polymorph two, emo hawk nil. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> That's a really, really weird <laughs> reason to change. That makes no sense to me. <laughs> so we should just sorry. So we should say soccer score, shouldn't we? Really? Oh. Well, no. I mean, either well, way, yeah. it, it is. It's football, really. The American football's hand egg. There's very little kicking going on. Saying oh, that there the is no, kicking. I was about to say no. You can you can actually score two points in American football, can't you? You can. you can safely uh, with a with a safety. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If you uh, run it into the end zone on the uh, other teams, mm. uh, yeah, well, safety. There you oh, go. don't pretend like you know a lot about football. <laughs> hey, I know as much about football as someone who played in the band and had to suffer through the football games <laughs> would know about football. So there you go. Uh, I still I laugh every time that uh, I think about this story about my grandmother who. Um, was really into football because one of our cousins was playing for Ole Miss and he um, ended up getting into the end zone with the football at just in time. And she jumped up and screamed, he fell down. (laughs) (laughs) Adorable. Anyway, back to Red Dwarf. (laughs) Back to Polymorph awesome. to Rimmer's Last Stand. <laughs> yes. And um, also another note, this was actually meant to go out um, fifth, not fourth. Of course. Okay. But uh, there's a, there was actually a very good reason behind that, which we'll get to next week. Gotcha. Cool. But anyway, the space probe shows up. It does darn space probes i know right so yeah apparently the gelfs have this thriving culture that you know we knew nothing about until now hmm. yeah uh yeah it's a bit of a new information there mm-hmm. oh cat again but they can't forget cat with his uh Logic-defying nose. Uh, of course. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, yeah, so we get some of our usual gags here as uh, as they are trying to figure out the situation with this probe. Um, Rimmer and Kreiters. Uh, everybody is calling Kreiten Kreiters now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I've heard that occasionally in past episodes, but this episode, everyone has switched to Kreiters. It's cute. Um yeah, it's cute. I just is a little. I haven't really noticed it before. Um. So the the uh, star, uh, sorry, not Starfleet regulations. The, the, uh, space Corps directive. Yes, the Space Corps <laughs> nice directives. Uh, gag is starting to get a little bit like um. Uh, well, I don't know if y'all. I suppose you would get it over there. Uh, Pinky and the Brain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Are you thinking what I'm pondering? What I'm pondering, Pinky? I think so, Brain. But how are we going to get the hippopotamus into the tutu? (laughs) Wow! What an excellent impression. (laughs) 
And so, yeah, we're starting to get that into that sort of Laurel and Hardy pattern with them. Yeah, it's uh, with this beginning part where they're all in the cockpit of the Starbug. It's becoming a formula. They like find a thing, uh, and Cat um, checks it out with his nose, and then they have um, the Space Corps directive, and then they have Crichton volunteering to sacrifice himself, and. <laughs> Like, it, it happens in sort of the same formula for the past three or four episodes. Yeah. Mm. And speaking of this cockpit episode, mm-hmm. um, they really play up the action here. I mean, they are going <laughs> full-on Star Trek <laughs> with exploding circuit boards and check the damage reports and fires how- on all, all three decks of the engine room. How does, how does Starbug have an engine room with three decks? <laughs> Crichton's been busy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he had 400 years or 200 years or something like that. Well, it has been about three, 400 years. There are a lot of Mm. uh, derelict ships out there that they've been looting. (laughs) I mean, that's probably where the oxygen generation unit came from. They haven't been looting them. They've just been smashing their way in and taking (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's another story from the case file marked... Let's try to kill the actors. Yay! Mm. <laughs> I love let's try to kill the actors. <laughs> uh, when they were ch- when um, they were blowing up uh, Starbug, and we had all that thing flying around. The big mm-hmm. one, the one that came from behind. Yeah, indeed, indeed, you know exactly what <laughs> I'm about to say, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a huge explosion coming from behind, and there was a, this massive generator which took hours to get ready. Mm-hmm. And all that they, all the debris was little bits of cork. And if you watch uh, the episode very, very carefully, it's not Crichton jumping up and spinning around; it's Robert the Wellen jumping up and spinning around. With the force of the explosion, that's no acting involved whatsoever. It was completely involuntary. <laughs> yes. And if you, if the scene went on for any anything longer, uh, you could actually have seen the bits of cork in the back of his skull. Oh, yeah, how the, nice! The production manager had to come up behind him and was just pulling great big chunks of cork out of his mask. It's very lucky his oh. makeup was that thick, really. Wow. Mm. Then on the, unfortunately, Denny John Jules playing Cat wasn't quite as lucky. Oh dear! <laughs> yes, they caught him. In, it, the, the cork actually caught him in the face. Hmm. Yeah, and the reason face. that Rimmer, the reason that Rimmer and Lister didn't get it as well was because they angled the fan or the generator in that direction so that it wouldn't hit the cameras because the cameras are valuable. <laughs> and the actors are not. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, they can't boy, hurt Danny Jungles's beautiful face. <laughs> I'm afraid they did. They had to call the. They actually called paramedics. Quite to... a bad. Quite a bad welk under his left eye. Hmm. Hmm. And the special effects designer um, was com- inconsolable. Yeah. Interag really was yeah, deeply was. saddened by it because it's all very good fun, but when someone gets hurt, he really did feel it. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's all good fun until someone loses an eye. 
Who gets cork in the face. Who gets cork in the face. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this this opening um, action sequence. Uh, I mean, it gets really intense. So something uncloaks. Um, you have uh, the, the, the explosions because, you know, just like in the Star Trek universe, apparently, we can invent, you know, hyper-warp space drives. But uh, circuit breakers, that's... <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's that's beyond us. Um, so it makes perfect sense that consoles would explode in people's faces. Well, even the damage report machine exploded, so maybe the circuit blowed it, so the circuit breaker exploded as well. <laughs> maybe so. Um, well, basically, it just comes from the, the Star Trek school of science fiction, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I suppose so. Uh, let's see. And so, yeah, uh, Crichton then, with his extra shiny central port this episode, um, they got some camera glare from his midsection. Yeah. Um, tells them that they're near the Gulf Zone, uh, and Angela and I started looking yes. at each other as they described these Gulf because, um, for Firefly fans out there... It's a shame no Paul isn't here. He would love this. <laughs> yeah. Firefly apparently... Well, I don't know that. I mean, the concept of you know savage space race is not, uh, I guess, trademarkable. But I mean, they describe them in the same way that they describe Reavers on Firefly. Yeah. Uh, I, well, they don't say that the Gulf are going to rape them to death, but you know, it's implied. <laughs> <laughs> well, this almost does. Uh, true. It's true. There you go. Um, and so then, uh, when they're trying to get away with the, from the thing, they launch a decoy. And I was like, oh yeah, next they're going to launch a, a crybaby decoy, and it's going to send a radio signal out. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was digging that. Uh, I did wonder, however, while they were trying to run away, Starbug is supposed to have lasers now. Yeah. Um, they didn't really use those. Yeah, well, they I lost the lasers somewhere. I think they just figured that... There was no point in trying to fight it, and they're better off just making a run for it. Mm. Maybe, but I mean, you know, the last time they fired one shot and accidentally blew up uh, <laughs> a far superior technology, <laughs> figured it'd be worth a shot. Literally, <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the one of the Gelfs was actually played by Ainsley Harriet, who was much more better known these days as a TV chef. Hmm. Oh. But back when Red Wolf was being made, it was actually doing the comedy circuit. Apparently, he was one of the Lilt ladies. I'm not entirely sure if that's correct, but I think that's what Craig Charles said on the DVD. But any footage of it is lost. <laughs> the what he uh, what now? The Lilt ladies. The, yeah, that's I'm what getting... I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm guessing it was part of a double act and uh, him and someone else dressed up as ladies. Gotcha. Ah, uh, okay. Cool, cool. Uh, let's see. Oh, I had a note here. Uh, when Crichton was explaining why the penalty for scavenging uh, was or looting was, was so harsh, he calls it frontier law, <laughs> uh, which if... Um, <laughs> If we go with the theory that Crichton's subconscious is always a Western, <laughs> then maybe that would explain his choice of metaphor. Love it. Yeah. Oh, it's starting to really rain here. It's a rainy day here in Alabama, yeah. so if you hear some background noise, that's what it is. 
Uh, let's see then. So we get Starbug completely on fire after some crazy space action-y scenes, and then they see Castle Grayskull. They do. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's a shame, really. It's, true. it's a shame, really, because they could have used a Skeletor voice for the Gelf warning. <laughs> <laughs> we will destroy you. This is Gelf space. Death for the strangers. <laughs> it's common courtesy. <laughs> so heading for the giant skull rock that, that gets blown up uh they head for a moon that's um, no moon oh wait lo- it is <laughs> it, it was a moon a moon with an ocean of all things uh and they make a mud landing <laughs> uh which you know nice model work going on there they really did the fire yeah the fire of course there's nothing you can do about it but you know they had the model on fire and that gave the sense of perspective that it was clear that it was a model and not you know real fire on a real ship yeah nothing you could do about it though it was still very dramatic though yes it, it was it has mm-hmm. very big impact see starbuck or light lab that you think yeah they had serious trouble here mm-hmm. and then we find out that starbug can apparently fix itself Yep. It's convenient. Well, you know, the amount of times mm. they've crashed it into things and although why it couldn't repair itself <laughs> in marooned. It uses T one thousand technology to repair itself. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. All they lack is one so... thing. Yes, yes. They need an oxygen unit. Um because as we know, polymorph can only, I mean, <laughs> Starbug can only hold, uh, 10 minutes of oxygen. Except. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so they decide they're gonna have to trade with the Gelflings. And, uh, so they navigate their way past the Dark Crystal. Um, they get shot with an arrow, which is, you know, very polite. Mm-hmm. According to Crichton. That's nice. We find out, uh, that Lister is an Ares. Uh, so, funnily enough, we could well be recording on Lister's birthday, unless we have an official, a specific date given somewhere, but this is Ares territory here, uh, April 14th. It well, uh, Cri- well, Lister did say, um, she's definitely an Ares. And I'm an Ares. Forget it. Mm. Uh, he, yeah. he says that they're both Ares, so wouldn't yeah. work. Yeah, two Ares together wouldn't, wouldn't fit. Yeah. Huh. Because they're both, uh, Violent and warlike, I assume. I don't know. I don't know anything about astrology. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, but I'm sorry. I've skipped ahead here. Uh, yeah. So they find out, uh, with the trading and everything, uh, that what they really want is for Lister to mate with the chief's daughter. And he's not cool with that. Sorry, that outside set actually was originally <laughs> built for a, a British American television series called Calverton Cross. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which uh, would broadcast on ABC in the United um from the 25th of o- August to October the 31st, 1992. Cool. It was set in medieval times, which... Um, it's a good restaurant. <laughs> about the daily intrigues of Thomas Gray, his sons and daughters. Mm-hmm. Neat. I want a giant um, turkey leg. Basically, it was a sort of 
villager straw huts lit with flame torches and pieces of set dressing to make it look more like a Gelf-like planet and less medieval. So they they lit the set of straw huts with uh, flame torches. Yes. After they've already exploded. Did they they set anybody on fire (laughs) with that? (laughs) (laughs) You know, after you shoot a couple of actors with cork, then you definitely want to get them around a bunch of straw and fire. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, that inside the straw hut was actually done in studio. I figured that. With a real fire. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> so, and they couldn't gather up chairs, so they just had them sit on crates of gunpowder <laughs> and hold cups of gasoline. No, I was going to say was uh, that uh, the effects team were on standby with um, fire extinguishers. I should hope so. Well, good. Mainly because the golf costumes were extremely flammable. Yeah, exactly. Of yeah. course. Um, yeah, I'm sure the foam rubber would just... <laughs> Bye-bye, oh, Kinitawawi. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, let's see. So, yeah, eventually Lister agrees to make snoo-snoo uh, with um, <laughs> the chief's daughter. Futurama uh, reference. Yeah, another future Futurama reference there. Uh, which I'm, I'm more and more convinced that... Uh, yeah, that uh, Matt Groening and, and some of the other Futurama folks must have must have been fans. Well, especially since that Simpsons thing with Rimmer. Yeah, along. yeah, you showed the other day uh, on the Facebook group <laughs> Rimmer hanging out with the the British invasion. <laughs> well, I think the Simpsons comics are written by a different team. That seems oh, okay. that seems more likely. But it's the same like humor style and animation style. Yeah, but I mean. But that, that was the, uh, yeah, but, but, but I mean, does, does that mean that Matt Groening is definitely a fan of Red Dwarf? I'm sure he is. Sure he is. I mean, all of the comedy writers right now stayed up and watched, uh, British comedies on PBS. I mean, we know that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's see. Back to Polymorph 2. The Revenge of the Polymorph. Um, let's see. Okay, oh, I yeah, so, am yeah. a little disappointed that it wasn't the same Polymorph. I had it built up in my head that this was going to be the revenge of the original Polymorph. And then I was Aww. a little disappointed. <laughs> but it got blowed up, didn't it? I, it I don't did in, in show. The prop still existed. Uh, mm. Rob Grant and Doug Naylor went and asked uh, Peter Rag and the special effects guy if the polymorph still existed. But it had been stor- in storage for four years and it had been covered in slime so it had rotted and wasn't in very good shape. Aww. Yeah. Yeah, those kind of puppets, they do rot quickly. Yeah. Oh, you know, I mentioned uh, the Dark Crystal a minute ago. <laughs> um, if you've ever... So... Parallel to that, the movie uh, Labyrinth, if you've ever seen that. Um, Jim Henson movie. I have, but it's uh, been quite Bowie. a while. Yeah. Yeah, David Bowie. Yeah, Jennifer. Yeah. So there's a puppet in there. One of the, the, I guess the main puppet character's name is, is Hoggle. And if you've ever, uh, ever looked up the history of that puppet, somebody like lost him at an airport. And like that puppet 
was lost for years and years, and then they finally just happened upon it and found it. And yeah, it, it looked horrific, and like its face had melted off and everything because those those things are so delicate. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. So anyway, Polymorph Two: The Dark Knight Rises. Um, <laughs> they do. Uh, oh yeah, well, I loved Crichton's handshake with uh, the she or foot shake with the with the, the gulf there. That was completely improvised, apparently. Oh, oh cool. Cool. Uh, well, Lister decides that uh, he doesn't want to go through with the uh, the mating. Run away! And uh, yeah, they they leg it. Now here is where I have a question. So they send the emo hawk after them. Uh, the emo hawk pretends to be Lister's hat. So Lister has lost his original hat. That isn't his. It is on the. That's not his original hat. His original hat was a sort of cap type thing and then I think it was from series 4 he had this sort of furry deer stalker type thing right well what I mean is yeah he's lost the real hat so I am curious to see if next episode or the well especially if they're out of order I guess I have my answer Uh, but I'll be curious to see if in future episodes the hat which is supposed to be on a moon mysteriously reappears (laughs) (laughs) I can so I will be I will be on hat watch I can con- confirm. I can confirm for you that hat. That is the last time you'll ever see it. Cool. Really. So nice. At least they managed to keep that bit of continuity right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> continuity, guys. <laughs> continuity. When it comes to hats, you know we've got it covered. <laughs> <laughs> Character oh, development and pl- major plot points and technology. Meh. But hats. hats. Yes. Hats are important. So what does everyone think of Craig, well, Lister kissing the Gelf? Well, <laughs> it, you knew it they reminded, were there. Yeah, and it reminded me of the scene with the um, sirens. Well, if it's something I'm... gross, Craig Charles has got to kiss it. That's how it works. Apparently <laughs> mm. so. Yeah. It was basically another way to make fun of Craig Charles' request to do more kissing. Yes. Quote, I was cuffing up a furball for about an hour afterwards. Uh Funny, though, it was the first time I ever kissed a guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, let's see then. So there's this one. Uh, There was the sirens. Did he kiss... um, uh, I'm sorry, the slime monster that got with Crichton. I don't think so. Camille, no. Camille. Okay, okay, uh, I couldn't remember. He did kiss Pete Tranter's sister, though. So that's that's yes. one decent one, but... Yeah, but it that's... turned into a siren. That's true. There are more further yeah. adventures of uh, <laughs> Dave Lister oh, kissing weird things coming up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I felt sorry they... for the girl... I mean, I yeah, you know, to be fair, yeah, they they made a deal and they went back on it. I mean, um, I guess you do what you have to to survive, yeah. but surely they could have come to some sort of a- agreement besides stealing the O2 unit and running away. Basic, uh, the uh, costume, well, it was actually described in the script as Water Yetis. Hmm. And the prophetic makeup took about two hours to put on. 
basically it was a big body stocking type thing with all the bits stuck on. Mm-hmm. Um, a big there was a big belly, a bosom, and a large bum. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically, it was a rubberized costume, but it was quite loose fitting. Mm-hmm. Apart from the face, obviously. Mm. So you but know, if one... it did catch fire, then I could possibly <laughs> get out of this. You've got a couple seconds to get the, get it off before you, you know, die. <laughs> At one stage during the film, and Craig Charles went over to one of the girls to discuss the upcoming wedding scene, only to discover he was talking to the wrong one. <laughs> yeah, that's racist. <laughs> they're all the they're all the same. These yetis, he said, before going in search of his bride. They should have put a hair okay, bow no. on his bride. That would have been awesome. Yes, yeah. So we would know which bow. one was the female. If when... they were going for the full-on best bits thing, should be wearing a red and white check gingham dress. That would have just <laughs> been everything. Oh, nice. Yeah. Aww. Okay, so all Yetis look alike. Now, we are not going to get into another discussion of race on this no. show. I've been trying to kill that thread in the Facebook group for a week. <laughs> no, two weeks. Several weeks. Uh, anyway, um, let's see. <laughs> uh, so, the polymorph does its thing, uh, attacking Cat, and this time draining Cat's uh, cool style, grace, and poise turning him into Dwayne Dibley again. Um, Dwayne Dibley? Now, I guess there's there's a question here, because, you know, we get Dwayne, and then we get Ace in a minute. Um, so is this because uh, it's a different polymorph and targets different parts of their emotions, or is it because the characters themselves have changed in some way that we get different results than we did from the first polymorph attack? Mm-hmm. Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I... I've got five words. Go ahead. I've got five words. That has been accounted for. (laughs) Yeah, I know that, you know, the actual reason is they had two popular one-off characters that they wanted to bring back for the fans and found a convoluted way to do Mm. it. But, you know, within the universe, then... I I still think that um, those characters were in the characters subconscious, like Cat in the back of his mind is still horrified about being Dwayne Dibley and uh, Rimmer is still jealous of Ace Rimmer. I mean, he tried to kill the guy. Uh, So, you know, I I think that that was their greatest fears of becoming what they hated. So I guess that's what the polymorph sort of did. Yeah. So, yeah, when we get um, Ace Rimmer, mm-hmm. I have to say, um, it seemed like Chris Berry was just a little off with his Ace Rimmer this time. It wasn't quite the same. Like, his voice, it was maybe a little too deep or talking a little too fast or something. I don't know. I couldn't put my finger on it, but he, it was, he was doing a slightly different voice uh, or character than he did the first time around. Well, the- I blame the wig. Exactly. Oh. It was a different wig. Yeah, the original Ace wig uh, went missing. It's, it was presumed to be stolen uh, and sort of rumoured to be in Chris Barry's possession. But I think, <laughs> I think, um, I think I've uh, got it. When you watch Back to Reality, 
Um, the alternative Crichton, before he goes in to be plugged in, he's wearing the original Ace wig. Or, or, or a wig that looks remarkably like the original mm-hmm. Ace wig. And when he's actually oh. on, on the Red Dwarf, he's uh, skinhead. So that's that's my thought anyway. That's my interpretation hmm. of that. Maybe so. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the appearance that was bugging me. Just that uh, mm. I mean, it was it was it was still good and everything. I'm I'm not trying to be too ticky, but like if you were to listen to one and then listen to the other, one after the other, he's doing it's a different voice. Mm. He's mm-hmm. it's weird. Anyway. Well, yeah. To quote Chris Barry, actually, in an interview, he says it was an anticlimax. You know. Yeah. I was sort of holding back because I was afraid of not absolutely loving this episode <laughs> because it seems like something that would be a fan favorite. But mm-hmm. it felt really rushed. Like they th- yeah. drew in these two very popular characters. They're there and they're gone within five minutes, it seems. I mean, I know it was more than that, but... They didn't do yeah, I mean, much. If, if, if you look at the episode, and I mean, they had they spent a good amount of time on the action flight scene, and it was good. Mm-hmm. And then they spent a fair amount of time on the planet and found some comedy bits there. Uh, but then, yeah, we finally get to the polymorph doing the polymorph thing and bringing back these characters, and it, it it ends really abruptly. And it seems like maybe there wasn't quite enough time to do justice to to what fans were were really excited about for this episode. I think. You know what they should have done? This should have been... Two-parter? Yes. I mean, I know that's not really what they do, but this really should have been a two-parter and, like, had the setup through the whole episode and then at the very end have, you know, already tournamented the, the reveal will be that Dwayne Dibley is back? Yeah. No, no. Go ahead and reveal Dwayne Dibley. But then, and you know, oh, funny, haha, but then have the reveal as Ace Rimmer. And then have uh, have him, like, appear with, like, a backlight on him. And <laughs> that he's just this huge heroic <laughs> character. And then everyone would be like, oh, my gosh, I have to see the next episode. Yeah. And then you would have, like, a full episode, almost a full episode with Ace Rimmer. Exactly. Oh, I like that. And he could even, but, you know. like, get them almost up to Red Dwarf and then them lose it again. <laughs> <laughs> like, th- this um, just feels like a setup that had so much potential, but they didn't, didn't go quite far cash enough. In on you know? what it could have done. Yeah. Well. Anyway, well, let's let's finish out uh, what we did get with Polymorph 2, Polymorph versus Dracula. Um, <laughs> uh, the special effects for the Polymorph mm-hmm. uh, were really nice yeah. this time around. It's a lot better. Uh, like going from slinky to truck to slinky and, yeah. and just their sort of creative way of showing how it maneuvers. Um, I really liked mm-hmm. it. <laughs> But yeah, we get Ace. What a guy. Um, have to have my thermos. Ever. Dwayne Dibley. Yes. Yes. Plastic sandals. Uh, Ace calls Crichton Criders, of course. Yep. Um, and refers to Lister as Davy Boy one too many times. Mm-hmm. Davy Boy. Oh, yes. Uh, boy, did, um, boy, did Ace Rimmer and Dwayne Dibley appearing cause problem in the edit. Oh? Uh, as soon as that, well, 
as soon as they appeared, the audience went wild. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, as soon as yeah. Dwayne Dibley pops up, I heard, like, the screams of applause. It was funny. Mm. <laughs> it went on for too long. <laughs> oh, no. Mm. I think that was the third take or something like that. They recorded yeah. it several times just to get it down to a level where they felt it was acceptable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And to quote the director, Anthony Dinamini, American shows leave that in. They love it. The big cheers, whoops, claps, and everything corpses on stage, and they leave it in. I would hate to leave that in because it takes it out of reality. I find the laughter quite difficult to keep it real anyway, but if it's racing people along and people are concentrating, the laughs will sort of go with it. But if you stop all the action, it's out of reality. And it doesn't happen in real life, and nobody stands still for ten seconds and waits for the clapping to die down. Yes. <laughs> that is so true. Oh, there is a video out there, you can look it up sometimes, but look up uh, Friends uh, minus the laugh track. You know, Friends was one of the most popular, well, probably the most popular sitcom of the 90s, if, if not Seinfeld. Yeah. Um, here. But yeah, everybody loved Friends. I thought it was okay. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know following it like everybody else was but looking to see if Ross and Rachel got together or whatever. But <laughs> um, if you look at friends and they take out the laugh track, it's so, awkward. it is so weird. It's like they say a joke and then they stare at each other for 10 seconds. Just like he said, literally it's, it's creepy. It's like serial killers <laughs> or something. I haven't seen the friends one, but I have seen a big bang theory one and it just makes Sheldon seem so much more strange. <laughs> It's so much more creepy than he actually is. Oh, that's like those uh, comics, uh, Garfield minus Garfield. Minus, yeah. They take Garfield comics and take Garfield out of it, where John so, just turns. You have just, John's just, just mentally ill. Yes. Yes. Which he was already like, there anyway. <laughs> He's like there with with his hamburger and like screaming, "That's mine!" and <laughs> <laughs> wearing. Wearing things on his head and said, hey, I'm a walrus, you know, just like, <laughs> what is with John? This poor guy. Back to the Anyway, uh, back to Polymorph to the Squeak Wolf. Um, <laughs> Return of the Dibley. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, they come up with a plan. Uh, well, Ace Rimmer comes up with plan one. <laughs> Which is to protect Crichton and Davy Boy and suck himself and Cat out into space, but not before uh, generously snapping Cat's neck so he won't suffer. There is a bit of deleted dialogue there. There's a deleted joke. Oh, yeah. Um, which that was all sort of uh, building up to, sort of Dwayne Dibley asking Ace how to pull women and how he manages and stuff like that. And Aww. Ace is all set to snap his neck and then says, I can't do it, it would be like killing Bambi. Let's <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> hmm? But then the sane um... people come around and actually solve the problem. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the same non-neck-snapping people. Which is a shame. Hey! We don't want Cat <laughs> dead! 
No, but Dwayne Dibley. Not a It finally it finally occurred to me what they were doing with Dwayne Dibley. It's the Nutty Professor. Mm-hmm. The it's, Jerry Lewis. The, the Jerry Lewis routine. Uh, with the giant teeth and everything. Uh, I, I, I guess I had it in the back of my head the first time around, but it didn't really click until I saw it again. Um, anyway, uh, let's see then. So they, they go on the hunt to find the polymorph, and, uh, Crichton has one of the funniest scenes in this whole thing. Um, attacking the wall. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, then in, like, sort of a really, really quick... Um, anticlimax. Yeah, anticlimax. They they catch the thing, they freeze it, and uh, they have a, a gag with Cat. Um, I do have to wonder, though, why they are going to change Rimmer back into Rimmer. Exactly. He's happy. Mm. He's happy as Ace Rimmer, <laughs> and he's indestructible, so his... Uh, self-sacrificial tendencies wouldn't prove too self-sacrificing. I don't think he is missing an emotion, mm. though. And if you if he's missing the emotion, then that is more likely to make him unstable as a person. See, that's Even what I wish nice. they had emphasized. I mean, he's yeah, incredibly I mean, but... reckless. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have felt a little better if they would have had a throwaway line in there, like you know. Maybe Lister or something could have said, well, why can't we just keep him this way? He's happy. And they cried one and say, oh, no, sir. The psychic trauma of having his emotions removed would cause him to, uh, you know, implode <laughs> within three days or something, you know, whatever. Um, give me some techno babble. But, like, on, this, on the face of it, having Ace there as opposed to Rimmer would seem a lot more useful. Mm-hmm. Mm. My note for that final s- second, actually, is police, um, police squad. What? Police squad? Yeah. Yeah. Where they all, where they all frozen in mm-hmm. a, um, but there's always one person, there's always some person moving around in the background. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I follow now. Sure. Uh. I never saw police squad. So. No. Oh, you didn't? Well, I mean, you know, it's the movie the Naked Gun movies were based oh. on. I mean, the the show, the bit. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so, yeah, sudden ending there. Um, I wanted more, you know, but um, just because I, I was enjoying it, I, I, I would have liked a, a bit longer episode, I guess. But yeah, it ended up feeling so as, rushed. I had as, They had as much time as they had. Um, so... Uh, you know, to sum up, Polymorph 2, 33 and a third. Um, <laughs> I thought, I thought what there was of it was great. I, but yeah, the timing, maybe a little rushed and maybe not quite enough of, um, what I thought was the, the strength of the episode. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I enjoyed it. I mean, when I watched it back for the purposes of the, this review, of this review, the 30 minutes seem to go by awfully quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's a jam-packed episode. There's mm. a hell of a lot there. Um, I dare say that there's enough in the plot of this episode alone that it's sort of on par with the amount of events. The events are on par with that of a feature film. Some feature films you see, it's got as this many mm. bullet points and this many plot points. Yeah. So That's why it's whilst... a two-parter. Yeah, I mean, they definitely had it as sort of a four-act, yeah, 
I can yeah. see that. Well, it could have done with a better resolution for half an hour. I can see why they decided to just end it like that rather than try and cut anything out from earlier on in the episode. Hmm. Yeah, but but again, like Red Dwarf has never shied away from the anticlimax. I mean, you know, in other episodes, and we think there's going to be this big finish, like in Legion, you know, it was more of a cerebral um, defeating of the villain than a big battle, and sort of anticlimactic mm-hmm. like that. But sort of epilogue type <laughs> thing going on at the end of that one. Yeah, but yeah. but the important thing wasn't defeating the polymorph; it was having Ace Rimmer and Dwayne Dibley around. <laughs> Indeed, I mean, and we get we get very very little of both of them. Was... Yeah. yeah, we do get a hell of a lot of Gelf, though. I know, right? It's true. And particularly interesting when compared to, you know, Join Dibley and Ace Rimmer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, any more notes on the episode before we move into feedback? No, I'm, I'm all out. Okay, well, tell well, you what, before we move to feedback, let's, uh, last week... Apparently, something was left out that uh, some Facebook people wanted mentioned. And Twitter people. It's actually, it's actually on our Twitter, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. Twitter. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so you're supposed to tell us about the horses. Indeed I am. It was a person by the name of Lid Richards, and thank you for the tweet, um, tell you about a, literally a famous story on the making of Gum and the Apocalypse. Um, I was having major pro- technical problems with my iPad last week on the recording, and at the end of the recording, I wanted to throw it out for across the room, but we'll leave that, we'll leave that being. Um, basically, um, they've got the four actors, two of them have never, two of them have never rit- ridden before, mm. <laughs> and two of them had. I think Robert Llewellyn actually says on his um, autobiography, The Man in the Rubber Mask, Part two, um, it said he'd ridden horses a few times before, but only sort of uh, little trekking around in little circles and stuff like that. Danny John Jules hadn't ridden, well, he'd ridden a little bit uh, and knew how dangerous they could be. Mm-hmm. Chris was scared beyond belief, <laughs> and Craig, Indeed. and Craig has no fear. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Craig, as, as Sam said, Craig had no fear, so he whacked Chris's horse. Oh no. Yeah, in the yeehaw type of deal. So Chris's so uh, Chris Berry's horse went galloping across the the field. And all of the horses followed suit. Yeah, cause the, and of course all the other horses thought, <laughs> Oh it's a galloping scene Okay. <laughs> Boy was Chris Berry mad at Craig Charles <laughs> after that. Yes, I I am terrified of getting on horses, and, you know, I don't like being around horses. I like seeing them from afar. They're nice from afar, but... I can just imagine Chris Berry, who who loves his old cars, looking around the horse for the brake. (laughs) Oh, my. That is awesome. 
Yeah, shame on Craig Trey. It, it's 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 the uh, the stunt guys and the producers and the director's job to threaten the actors' lives, not each other's. <laughs> I think they actually used that uh, outtake in the introduction, though. I think the cl- the clip oh. of all four of them on the horses galloping along. Yeah, that must be from that take. Nice. I didn't think about that. Well, that is a nice tidbit. Thank you for throwing that in, uh, and thanks, yeah, thanks for catching that uh, that we we had skipped over it. Um, so, feedback for polymorph to live free or morph hard. Um, <laughs> Ewan Ankhorn says uh, the return of Ace Rimmer and Dwayne Dibley is pretty fan service. Yeah, I agree, uh, but it's a fun ending to the episode. So who cares? <laughs> The Gelf scenes are probably the strongest parts of the episode. I really, really have to disagree with you there, Ewan. Uh, I have to admit that I have actually done the Gelf handshake thing in real life. <laughs> we need video of that. Um, Paul? Uh, uh, I, I will read Paul Hensley's Polymon. Well, Paul York says Ainsley Harriet for the win. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, Paul Hadley says, Polymorph sequel. No, wait. Back to reality sequel. No, wait. Dimension jump sequel. Ah, uh, hell, let's just throw them all into one and see what sticks. Uh, sadly, Lister and Crichton didn't get attacked this time. It would have been interesting to see what alter egos they could have got. Uh, would have loved Crichton to... Which they could have done in a two-part. Yeah, they could have. <laughs> would have loved Crichton to have been running around with his, uh, sparehead three accent. <laughs> Whichever emotion he could lose to accomplish that. Uh, I think Probably that's the right number. Northern <laughs> accent from DNA. Oh, becoming an essay. Again, sorry guys, P.S. Uh, wh- what? It must be a quote. Yeah. Bony puts move are that. He's referring to the backwards oh, computer gotcha. at the start of the episode. Gotcha. Oh, I see. I see. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Well, Nutty Nutcher says, Dwayne Dibley. Dwayne Dibley? Thank you, Nutty. Nuff's it. Russ Greeno says, you and beat me to the punch. I was too going to say, I, I too was going to say, that way we don't split the infinitive, um, to say that... <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I don't mind split infinitives. I like to boldly go. Uh, I was too going to say that Ace and Dwayne reappearing was a bit of a fan service. However, looking past the fact that stealing emotions can somehow now change your hair and teeth, it's a funny episode, not taking itself very seriously at all. Um, yeah. I mean, it was. It was. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was pure fan service. Yeah. They had popular one-off characters. They wanted to bring them back. But, you know, if that was what they were doing, I wanted more of it. I know. <laughs> That that's that's our issue. There wasn't enough fan service. If you're gonna go there, go there. You know. <laughs> uh, let's see. You wanna read Stephen Fletcher? I'll read Stephen Fletcher's. Um, uh, I'm not gonna do the quote. Enough said. Uh, but since I can't shut up, I'll add. Uh, looking back at the episode, not having seen it in a couple of months, does seem. Uh, like quite a busy episode and a lot going on that somehow is all fit into one episode. Uh, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. 
And it's not like this is the only Red Dwarf episode to have thrown in a lot in 30 minutes. I can't disagree with anyone who might say that the polymorphed Wayne and Ace stuff does sort of feel crammed in the last 10 minutes. Well, we did say that (laughs) of the show. But Chris and Danny are so good and so funny that it doesn't bother me much. I can't even look past the not-so-quite-as-good series for Wig for Ace that couldn't be helped due to some get stealing it. And possibly some get meaning Chris Berry. I added that in. I worry I may be sounding too negative, which is not my intention. In my opinion, this episode still works. Like Russ Greeno said, it's a funny episode, not taking itself too seriously. I still enjoy it on repeated viewings, and I would say it's one of my favorites in season four. Apologies for the super long comment there. Um, And our last... um Response is from Anthony James. Yeah. Dwayne and Ace's return is amazingly fun on first viewing of the episode. Unfortunately, this amazingly fun feel of their return directly diminishes on rewatches. A great episode on first viewing that drops to an alright episode on rewatches, with rewatch diminishing the quality of pleasure for the episode, even though I love the Gelf village scenes. And then we have some yeah. weird interchange between Russ and Anthony. Uh, but we will yeah. yeah, don't care. Um, Nothing to see here, as Ross Greeno okay. says. So, uh, thank you all for your feedback. Um, let's <coughs> see. Uh, speaking of feedback, uh, be sure and adjust your mics before listening to this ad. One out. Hey there, do you like nerd culture? Do you like listening to podcasts about nerd culture? Listen to Teaching Robot. Every week we have a theme, and we choose from a variety of topics, and then make a thing out of it. We just sometimes it's about like masculinity. Sometimes it's about it's about colors. Sometimes it's about anger. You should listen every week. It's presented by myself, you and this guy, Tom Summers. Me. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Should have recorded that. Should have recorded that. (laughs) Oh, guess what? Uh, Oh, we did. (laughs) Teaching Teaching Robot robot every week. week. Subscribe on iTunes. iTunes. And we're back after probably the worst ad lead-in ever. (laughs) I apologize to whatever ad we put there. Next week, we will try and have a lead-in worthy of the quality advertisements that we we play on this podcast. So, it is time to rate uh, Polymorph 2 Judgment Day. Uh, (laughs) Sam, you uh, are our guest. You get to go first. It's a good episode. Um, It's not quite as good as some of the others in the season, though. Um, But due to the complexity of the plot and not splitting it into two parts, it clearly suffers for it. So I'm going to give it 7 out of 10 Flaming Starbucks. Interesting. Uh, if you don't mind, I can go next. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I have to agree with Sam on this. The second half of the episode feels so rushed. There was, that should have been a two-parter. Really, really should have done. So I'm going to have to give it six and a half damaged, damaged, damaged report machines. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. You know, as I've said, then yeah, yeah, I really could have seen this as a two-parter. And I think it's because the episode wasn't quite sure what it wanted to be. Did it want to be a big action 
episode or did it want to just go completely into fan service? And the thing about bringing characters back for fan service is you do something kind of different with them. Like I'm thinking of, um, well, I don't want to do like Buffy spoilers or anything, but there was a character gone evil in an alternate dimension in the third season. And then when they brought her back later on, then it was like they had her around for the entire episode, you know, (laughs) like they did so much with her. And I think that could have been done here. We could have gotten more. And yeah, the Gelf scenes were funny, but it took away from the actual scenes that we cared about. Um, so yeah, as we've ta- been talking about it, I've becoming less and less happy with it. I'm going to give it six. I'm going to punish Red Dwarf. Hey. <laughs> hmm. Um, yes, six out of ten. Um, uh, uh, transforming thermoses. <laughs> um, I well, I, I've already said what I think about this episode. I, I thought there, it, it had a lot of potential. I thought it took advantage of some of it, but not all. Um, they they were trying to shoehorn too much in. Is the uh, is is probably the the simplest way yeah. of putting it. So. Um, polymorph to the new batch. I'm going to give, uh, you know what? I'm still, because it was still good. It was still funny. Uh, it just wasn't what all, all that I hoped it would be. So I'm going to give it seven out of, uh, 10, uh, awkward bowing scenes. (laughs) (laughs) So. That is our ratings. Well, that's what we thought. If uh, you want to tell us what we think of uh, uh, Polymorph 2 Legacy or uh, <laughs> or our show or, you know, tell us what you think about us. Uh, but, you know, only good things because we would cry if you if you heard our mm-hmm. Um You can uh, email us at uh, uh, the Red Dwarf Podcast at gmail.com. You can hop on the Facebook group, a popular choice, and it's the Red Dwarf Introcast. Uh, there's also a spoilers group. For those who want to talk about the things we haven't gotten to yet, movies, <laughs> um, or if you just want to, you know, trash the hell out of me and Angela, that would be the, a good place to do it. Um, mm-hmm. That way, it'll be like months before we we get to see exactly. it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, you can also Twitter at us at uh, twitter.com/slash Red Dwarf Intro. Uh, and of course, if you would love to, we would love uh, if you would, uh, you know. If you, if you like what we do, if, if we uh, brighten your day a little bit, maybe hop onto the iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, uh, maybe give us a nice rating and tell folks uh, that there's something worth listening to here. Um, so, uh, it is quote time now, and Sam, as our guest, you get to go first. Oh, oh just real quick, uh, I saw on the Twitter, oh, yes. Liz Richards gave us some feedback on Twitter. Um, oh, oh, says, yeah. interesting how personality changes the emotion drain caused in season three different from the changes in the up from uh, for the two characters so yeah pointing out that they transformed into different types of people Mm -hmm. and again you could look at that either as a different polymorph does different things or uh the characters themselves have changed or it's a thinly veiled plot (laughs) (laughs) either way 
Uh, so Sam, lay lay a quote on us. It could be anywhere. It could be anything. Trust nothing. It may have outsmarted you, but it's going to have to get up pretty damn early in the morning to outsmart Arnie J. Is that a new gun? I don't recall seeing it before. The gun! The emo hawks the gun! God, that was close. I hope you're right. Because if you're not, we just flushed away our only gun. <laughs> Let's see. I will go. I rarely go second, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go with, you think I'm a petty-minded bureaucratic nincompoop who delights in enforcing pernickety regulations because he gets some sort of perverse pleasure from it. And in many ways, you're absolutely damn right. But that doesn't alter the fact that (laughs) that the only way we're going to track down Red Dwarf and get through this is with a sense of discipline, a sense of purpose, and wherever possible, a sensible haircut. (laughs) I'm going back to bed. Um, <clears throat> I've got one. Oh, go ahead. I like it! Yeah. Uh, let's see, mine is... Look at it. All our possessions, all our valuables, between fire, flood, and impact damage, we've lost damn near everything. Well, at least we have Mr. Lister's guitar survived impact. Cat takes the guitar and breaks it. <laughs> Not even Mr. Lister's guitar survived him. <laughs> I liked that quite a lot. I'm not going to ru- I'm not going to ruin it for you. But when we get to sm- when I post the smeg ups when we finish this season, that is my favorite smeg up. That's all I'm saying. It is a great one. Oh, okay. It is hilarious. <laughs> Let's see. Um sir, try and remain calm. You're experiencing a classic knee-jerk paranoid reaction to a terror situation. It's essential <laughs> that at this time that we... It's the wall! <laughs> it's somewhere close. Shame overload. Mm. <laughs> it's somewhere close. I can smell it. Ah, it's the stick! Ah! Oh, no. No, it's not. Oh, God, I'm so chimpy. I thought he was the stick. It is the stick! <laughs> <laughs> Hmm, yes, he's only given us five Hanukkah to decide. How long's a Hanukkah? Curious enough, it's exactly the same as one Earth minute. Five Hanukkah! That only gives us 28 hours! (laughs) Maybe that's what the writers thought, and that's why they thought they could fit all of this into one episode. (laughs) Dwayne Dibley? Dwayne Dibley? Reaction shot. Would it harm you to have hair like mine? I have got hair like yours, just not on my head. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> oh my. Does anyone want the space, the space core directive? You take it, Sam. You take it. That's it. I'm invoking space core directive 68250. <laughs> Six eight two five zero. But sir, sir, surely that's impossible without at least one live chicken and a rabbi. Forget it. Forget I was ever born. But sir, I'm happy to perform the ceremony. But I'm <laughs> bewildered as to how sacrificing poultry will clear up the screen problem. Um, a quote that I'm surprised got into the episode. Frankly, um, what about us? Uh, you're not going to hang all of us out to dry just because for some reason she doesn't hit your G-spot. What about sacrifice? Mm. Putting your friend's interests before your own selfish drives. Wow. 
the materialization of Mr. Scrambler's voice unit. It's making as much sense as the Japanese VCR instruction manual. Hmm. Too risky, Craddy. Anyway, <sighs> I don't think I could face becoming him again. Everyone has his limits. <laughs> Anything else? Tell him not if she tell him not if she was the last water yeti, yeti lookalike in the world, and I was the only boy. Congratulations, scrambling in a red alert situation, a new record time: one hour, seventeen <laughs> minutes, and thirty-nine seconds. <laughs> nice. Well, this has been fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam, thanks for stopping by and, and chatting with us about this one. Uh, it's, it's been fun. Um, hopefully next time Paul will get to hang out too. Well, this is um, this is the second episode I've recorded, and Paul wasn't on the last one either. Aww. I think, I think Paul hates you. <laughs> he sees me coming. What did you do to Paul? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to quickly mention your... Sherlock Holmes podcast, Angela? Um, uh, sure. We, we've started posting Sherlock Holmes podcasts. <laughs> uh, you can find us on through the pages of Sherlock Holmes. Hopefully we're going to be posting more regularly now. Uh, we have a Facebook group and a website. Just Googling that, it's we'll find us. That it's, it's a really good way to, if you've never read the actual works, to, uh, you know, to get started doing that and hear some expert commentary with some Sherlockians and, uh, and Angela, who's, you know, working on her, uh, doctorate dissertation on Conan Doyle. So. And newbies. Uh, it's, it's really fun. Mm. Yeah. And newbies. So, you know, you, you won't be alone if you're just coming to it or if you're longtime fans and newbies alike <laughs> journey through hey. 19th century London. <laughs> this. Oh, yeah. And before we had, uh, before we had, if I want to also, uh, give a plug out to a very, very good friend, Rosie Summers, who also has done her own podcast. Yes. Um, it's called Aboard the Nightbirds, where they do a chapter by chapter review of the Harry Potter novels. They've just released, as of a couple of days ago, uh, Philosopher's Stone, chapters four to six. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I, uh, I've got a chance to listen to the first episode, uh, not, not the newest one, and yeah, it's, it's really a lot of fun. Uh, they have some cool, Discussions of uh, of uh, Potter and all things rolling, and you can get that at rosysummers.podbean.com. Also, shout out to Rosie for <laughs> helping Shane and I, who are both just really, really swamped with life things right now, uh, by uh, toss, uh, chipping in on the editing of uh, uh, of uh, our podcast. Uh, she's Help splice, well not helped, she spliced these episodes together of late and, uh, and really allowed us to keep getting these episodes out in, in a timely manner and, and we really just can't thank her enough for that. So, um, moving on, uh, we get to do predictions. What is next week's show? Rimmer World. Rimmer World. So my theory is that Kevin Bacon, I'm sorry, Kevin Costner, um, we'll be urinating on Starbug <laughs> at... No, maybe. Wow. I mean, we've already had a world that, that's terraformed to Rimmer's psyche. 
I know. Oh, yeah, you think that would have been do. called River World? Maybe all of the different versions mm. of Rimmer on one planet. Surely they wouldn't do two Ace Rimmer episodes in a row like exactly, that. Exactly, when they could have done a two-part. <laughs> <laughs> if that was yeah. the goal, yeah. Um, Rimmer World. Uh, maybe it's going to be well, but then they've already done a double Rimmer episode. Mm-hmm. Um. Which I'm sure if I looked up Urban Dictionary, I just said something horrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> they've already done an episode with uh, him having a quote of himself. Um, I mean, my my first thought when I hear that is it's going to be a planet full of rimmers. It's going to be like like a, a hundred, you know, hundreds of them, a, a fistful of rimmers, um, <laughs> if you will, for the TNG fans. But um, I mean, they've it's been done. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, they've had a planet that he can, tr- that is his psyche. They've had multiple hymns before, multiple times. So I'm a bit flummoxed as to, to what this is going to be unless it's, unless it's going over some old territory. Hmm. I guess we will I find out so. next week. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you for joining us again, Sam. Thank you. Always a pleasure. It's been- uh, and yes. Yes, and we will uh, see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Not gonna sing this time, or is he stick it on? A bit? <laughs> indeed, indeed, <laughs> I know. I mean, it's-